Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and we are here today to discuss the White Look Warrior, chapters nine, 7 through 9. It is my first time reading the Aspect Emperor series, and I'm here, as always, with Daniel and Katerina. Katerina, would you give us an introduction and tell us how Macs are better than PCs? Oh, gosh. No, let's not get into that. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm Katerina. Um, I'm reading the White Look Warrior for the second time. And uh, I think these three chapters got a little bit more exciting than the previous ones. What did you think, Daniel? I'm Daniel, and I have read this series a couple times now. And I thought some parts of it were exciting. Some parts of it were, there was a lot of introspection with Kamian. It was, it was thick thick passages i'm so glad you say that because there were some sections where i was like okay let's let's get on with this like i don't know we'll get to that but yeah i mean i kind of warned you I, I said there was just a lot of walking through woods and grasses i think when we started this book <laughs> yeah i mean i guess bottom line for all these books is they're walking somewhere most of the time they yeah. someone's walking somewhere some of them have horses, so they can they can ride. That's true. Except for the hags, because screw them. I guess that's one thing you don't think of in war. You just think of the battle, not the trek to get there, the trek to get back, which is the majority of the whole entire like expedition. The battle is the short part of it. Getting there on foot is always the hardest part or by boat yeah yeah and the and the starvation and um the diarrhea <laughs> eating bad meat yeah foul water yeah the shrink one of my the i think I've, i haven't laughed as much as i did except for that the one line where they're they're talking about the shrink, how they're gonna starve them out, I'm like we're we're hungry, but they're hungry too, and it's like, we are the food, you fool! Or I don't know what it's just... oh, I laughed for a good few minutes about that. That was pretty good. <laughs> I like the part where uh, it's the strongest talking to Sorwell, and he says, "Stand in front of me as much as possible," and he realizes that he's been chosen by the god. Oh, let me hide, hide behind you. <laughs> yeah, that was funny as well. I think my well, no, not maybe not my favorite part, but one of the funny funnier moments uh, was the jet. I think he's maybe he's not a general, but he's like a leader of some like contingent in the army. He's he's like really keen on like you know getting his reputation. So he like rides into rides in to fight the Shrang, and then he loses because he's his tactics are bad and then he gets flocked and then he again to regain his honor he does it again and he loses and like thousands of people die and he gets flocked again um <laughs> i i thought it was sad but also quite funny yeah. general civil i think his name is wonder if he's gonna get flogged again it's inevitable yeah well, I mean, I guess his uh, survival is something you can admire, but his uh, bad results, certainly not. 
Lots of Shrank Horde in this this chapter two and seven. Yeah, I mean, you get the one in front of the army, the ones behind the army, then there's another group that I think Soma meets somewhere in the middle of these Thule Plains. There was a lot, yeah. It seems like that's who the battle's against, so we're probably going to be seeing lots of strength. Yeah, in in a way, I think it's kind of gotten to the point where they're not scary anymore because we we see so many of them. And they they don't they pose a threat in large numbers, but they've kind of gotten not as scary as they were before because we there's so many of them. Well, I mean, I would maybe say they are scary because there are so many of them. Like, I mean, yeah, I kind of agree with you that the mystery has sort of been lifted. Like, we know more about them now. But then when I think of the numbers, and especially the battle um, that Kyutis fights in um, in the plains, just, like, imagining the, the numbers, like, the thousands on thousands, thousands of strength just surrounding them and from all sides, like, that's that's pretty scary. These are like not peak strength. The strength that we've seen before weren't starved and basically all dead. These are just a bunch of zombie strength. I think to them is real weak. But if the horde is big enough, then I guess it can overflow. And some people did die. Yeah. It seemed like uh, Sorwill, from his vantage point, thought that they were all going to lose until they he heard the beggar's lament or whatever it's called. Then oh, yeah. Singing their tavern song, whatever we'll call it. Yeah. Um it, it worked. It worked. I guess that's all. All that counts. Um, and then, then with Soma, you get that, like, the strength that can talk, the Earth strength. Hmm. And I guess the back army is different than the other strength. They're all chained to each other and being controlled by something. Are they? That's what I didn't understand. Like, are they literally chained to each other? Or is this some, like, magical link? Yeah, some... I, I thought they were physically chained, but it may have been a some kind of, like, a something that they were being controlled some other way. I'm not 100% sure either, but I assumed it was kind of some kind of physical chain. Yeah, it could have been. I I might have just uh, misheard. Um, there was the part when Soma was talking to the strength and says, "What did he say? Your old master's gonna call upon you again. We might have forgot what that's like." But yeah, we're we're, we're all children of the same fathers. Yeah, it's so who knows, who knows what he's talking about, them being called upon again, finally. Hmm. Yeah. 
must be the and no he, god. And he tells them to basically turn around and not bother Akami and Maimara and their little group. Yeah, that, I mean, it was, I don't know, it, I don't know, it was, yeah, there's lots of shrank, but, um, and we have been getting some really great comments in the, uh, on the video, so I'm sure someone will correct us if we're wrong, so. That's Please do, yeah, Please do, but no, no spoilers for the, uh, upcoming books. Yeah, for the, for the newbies, Daniel knows all the spoilers, but Katarina and I are, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in uncharted territory, Katarina is almost there, so. I need to get the paper, and I need to write down the things people have talked about that are too spoilery right now. Hmm. Well, don't tell us about it. <laughs> no, when we get there. When we get oh. there, we can talk about oh, it. That'd be a good idea. Yeah. Just so I remember then. Yeah, give us the censored version, if anything. Or so that. That's a really good idea, actually. It'd be hard to keep track of, because there's a lot. Yeah, I need a separate like, sticky note somewhere. You need a separate <laughs> notebook just... somewhere. <laughs> It'll make the final discussions better. But what did you think about these chapters? Did it pick up like you expected, Steve? It did, but I mean, I think there was some long, there are some long passages where it's like a Camian defending Espinette or um, kind of just like you said, just introspection. So there was, there was some highs and then there were some lulls and there was just some, like some kind of felt like we were meandering, like it's, you know, let's, we're kind of rehashing things again. And I think part of it is, is that, um, these books are so dense that I think for me anyway, I've come to expect it to be always that way. So when it, when it pulls back a little bit, I'm like, what's going on? Like, what the, why aren't we getting into the heavy stuff? You know? So, um, I, I tried to not let it bother me too much, but but we did learn that Sorwheel was chosen to kill Callus. Well, that's what that's what the current theory is. Or cursed. Uh, well, if, if yeah. yeah. First, it mentions um, that. Well, first he's told that he that they think he is, and then the last page of chapter seven. I was just checking it out and see if I can find it. It's on uh, it two. 226. It reads, um, I'm sorry, let me see if we can find it. Uh, uh, Yatwer, the mother of wombs, who had cursed him with murdering the most deadly man to ever walk the, patched er the parched earth. So, um, I was a little bit confused on that one. If that was a for sure thing or if that was still just a theory. I would say that all the signs seem to point that way, but I mean, you'll never know for certain, I guess, un un unless the goddess somehow shows up and tells him you're my chosen one, you'll probably never know. But she's been, he, she's definitely helped him a lot along the way. So I guess it's, I guess it's fair to conclude that he is chosen by Atwer. The 
already got the white luck warrior who was sent to like kill the aspect emperor and that was made obvious with their dialogue and then we immediately get another yeah we're pawn i guess i'd call sorwill and so you would make the assumption that he's just there to maybe kill Kellis too right um, but who knows not- and in his point of view he's still indecisive about what anything means so if he says it it might not be completely trustworthy yet and there is another potential assassin that uh as manette requests at the very end of uh of, of of her chapter which is which which they also call the the Nerindar or Nerindari. So, well, which, who is not supposed to kill Kalos? She, she wants him to kill Mathenet, but you have at least three assassins running around, apparently. To make things. Battle section. But yeah, I mean, let's let's not let's let's not jump ahead. I guess let's yeah. get back to uh, Sorwill. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had Proyas before, so well, didn't we? Proyas yep. and Kellis having their little meetings. What a bombshell! When, like, I, I mean, I, I, Proyas maybe not my my favorite character, but I did feel bad for him. Like he spent these what twenty years fighting for Kellis, murdering people and children and sacking cities and then Callus just casually tells him that oh yeah i lied about everything like none of it's true you've done this for no good reason whatsoever like what is what is probably supposed to, like what is he supposed to do now what is he supposed to think he doesn't quite say that it's for no reason but he admits that what Akamian said is all true and he knows that he read his words <clears throat> he hasn't said that his mission is false yet though only that he's false right <laughs> i think i think proyas is growing on you katarina i certainly feel for him um it's it's hard being a fanatic and learning that your prophet is a false prophet. So Regardless question, of whether the mission is true. So to that point I have a question for both of you. Do you feel bad for do you do you have sympathy for anyone that Kellis has manipulated? He's, he's he's manipulated almost everyone. So do you have sympathy for that? Like Proyas was I think they're all being manipulated in some way. Do you have sympathy for them? Because they're almost all pawns, right? I guess for some more than for other, um, but that I think that's just comes down to like me um, having or allowing more leeway for certain characteristics that people may have. Like I may be harsher on on Kellis than on Sorwheel, for example. And maybe because Sorwheel is a lot younger and like 
a naive kid who's not really had any experience and doesn't have anyone to support him. So, like, Progas is a grown man, and he's um, kind of a bigot, which... <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm not generally fan of those types of people. Um, but I'm trying to be more empathetic, I guess. <laughs> well, this world is a mess, so... I feel bad for everyone in this world. And I think that they're all born into just bad circumstances. That's why when I get <clears throat> get done reading this real world, though it's pretty bad, it's more light. These books make the real world, as horrible as it is, much more light. That's true. Let, let me maybe let me rephrase it. I feel bad for anyone but Sabon. How about that? That's a good answer. That's what I thought you would say to begin with. Yeah, that's what I was figuring. Sabon's doing all right. He doesn't need anyone to feel bad for him. So. Exactly. Man. One more reason to hate him even more. I, I think of anyone I think I have the most sympathy for uh, Esmanet. Because she could be living somewhere on a farm with coming in by now and you know having a peaceful life with a with an old wizard and she's uh she's the empress but she's not really she has really no control i mean there was there was a passage that i wanted to ask both of you about um i don't want to jump ahead too far but when we get to the mathanet section i have a question for both of you i have a question here why is kellis telling proteus any of this why Kellis, is he? I have no idea. Kellis only does things for reasons, right? He sees everything. He's walking the shortest path. What does this have to do with the shortest path? Is he just going crazy and he needs someone to talk to? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I like the confidence that you answer with, Steve. Yeah, I think he's past that. I think if he was crazy, he wouldn't realize it. He may already be crazy. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's preparing Proyas for the inevitable. Um, hmm. Maybe he expects him to... I don't know. Maybe he expects him to find out sooner or later so at least this way he can control him in some way i don't know i kind of kind of took it as um well the one thing i can the only thing i could think of is that he wanted pro to see if he had any information or he knew what akami might be up to or if he maybe knows something that he's not or he would might, yeah he, he would know that already just through yeah, his face that's true I don't know. Maybe he wanted fire. to see what Puryas would do, or where he would go, or he would lead him somewhere. All reasonable guesses. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he wants. I don't know. Maybe he's afraid he won't be able to defeat the No God, and then somehow 
I don't know, maybe he wants there to be someone in the army who will like stand up to Callus or have a reason to stand up to Callus. Um, so th that's what he's grooming Proyas for. I don't know. I have no idea. Just, just something to think about. Proyas was his most devout believer, and he seems to be shattering all of the foundations of his belief for some reason. And acting like he just wants him to know. He just needs someone else to know because it's too big of a weight for him to bear. I think he says that it's too much weight for him to bear. Well, he could have chosen a different moment, but... I'll, I'll keep I'll keep this scene in mind as we read on. And then I guess we had all the little battles with the Shrink, and I thought it was crazy they called the Shrink the Edge of Screaming Miles. That makes it sound like a bad time. Yeah, like a cognitive uh, Shrink. Yeah, I I enjoy the fact that they refer that they call a dozen of strang heads a lance, like that the, they managed to invent a new unit of measurement how to, how to count strang. That was quite interesting. The things you do in war, <clears throat> make up. Yeah fun songs, make up fun terminology. You yeah, measurement. then... And then you starve and die from disease in between the the fun parts. I think one general, like, killed his horse to help feed all his soldiers and then they killed him for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he's supposed to keep his horse and stay on it. Yeah, and then they were like, um, so get ready, we're going to start killing the slaves soon. Oh, the slaughter of the camp followers. Each mm. must kill their own or whatever. Yeah, and it's just overall, like, a lot of this march um, was very reminiscent of uh, the Holy War. And uh, the march through the desert and to, to, towards Karaskand the disease and starvation and them having to basically kill, as you said, the, the camp followers because there is not enough food and they're just becoming a burden, even though they were the ones who carried the food probably all the way there <laughs> for, for the for their lords. There's not as much it, food to carry, so. It says, compassion, generosity. These are fast becoming gluttonous sins. <laughs> It's a sin to be compassionate now. Then it talked about, what did it say? Only in the madness of war could men die of thirst through drinking. And it talks about how there's just like a whole entire army now of people that don't have pants on that are just like, <laughs> just like wandering behind them. It's wild. <laughs> war is wild. March is yeah. wild. Yeah, it, it it did. Yeah, it reminded me of the 
of the march through the desert when the one of the patrols rode ahead and they found the they found the only oasis in the desert and then um the the canyon killed them and dropped the bodies into the into the water basin and so the water got uh, poisoned and then all the rest of the holy war arrived and they all drank it and then everyone got super sick and even more thirsty than they were before um which is worse this this march so far or the holy war march oh the holy war well i don't know it's it's i think the first one i think they we have a lot more detail about it kind of the build-up and then we have the march and because we have a lot of a lot more detail but this one doesn't have the same impact maybe because we just read the first three books but yeah it just it, it does feel like you don't really get to experience the hardships as much i guess like through the characters and also it it does seem way better organized and i think the even though like a lot of people die like i guess in like percentage wise the casualties are still very small compared to the holy war i think like two-thirds of the holy war died by the end they by the end of uh like when they walked out of the desert so i don't think that the great ordeal has had that many casualties yet but they are still maybe on the first leg of the great ordeal's march right that reminds me of a question i think i've seen in the comments about why why they needed to take harwell's castle why that was like an essential piece of the great ordeal and i think it was just to keep the the supply line intact for as long as it has been so far because right when they conquered the city they built a whole other city outside of the city walls and it became like a main like port to get stuff to the holy war but even though that's pretty close it'll still eventually be out of the reach of supplying the whole war probably yeah it's like the last post at the very end of civilization um, and also if i'm not mistaken i think they took the Corey horde with them yeah on the also, march that was also an important part and if they would have left that castle and continued traveling then Harwell and Sorgel could have just broke the supply line and just killed them all once they got too far away. That makes sense. Just a little supply line to take out. So it was strategically necessary. Yeah, and also, I mean, I think, like, because it's described from, from Sorwheel's point of view, I think it, like, it feels like this, like, big battle, but in terms of like the scale of like the or the size of the great ordeal i don't think it took too many men to capture sarcarpus or I, I feel like hellas did most of the job anyway no and like like i said they were like already building the city before they sacked the city so they they weren't even like really fighting the war it was a small battle in the unification yeah. wars yeah 
it's just, just a, lot that's of, just... a lot of small battles so far yeah but i mean for so real like that's his entire world that's basically all he knows so it does feel like this almost like world shattering event um But, but the comments, I'm trying to be really careful about reading them, but not reading them because I'm afraid of spoilers. So I'm trying to be really, really careful with those. So, uh, yeah, but <clears throat> some really good comments. I just, I'm worried about spoilers, so I have to be really careful. I yelled at one person. I feel bad. <laughs> I, know, I know you don't like spoilers, Steve, so I try my best. I, I can't imagine you yelling, Daniel. I can't imagine you even raising your voice. I don't know. I, I talked loudly. I typed loudly. Okay. <laughs> typed, typed loudly. <laughs> no, I really like talking about the books, but I have to wait before I talk about that. That's actually getting closer to what he was referring to. Has to do with Canyon and the Skinners. Hmm. Who are down to 11? Nine? Was it nine? Or. I thought it was so only single digits. It, it was 12, and then one died from eating bad squirrel meat or bad rat meat. Yeah, and I, I, th I think uh, the captain killed oh, one of them because he, he got his ankle got hurt. Yeah, his knee, his knee got cut, and it was crimson, so he just got stabbed for it. Forgot. No limpers on the slot. <laughs> No weepers uh -huh. on the slob, no limpers on the slob, no thinkers no, no, on the slog. Yeah. Yeah. No doubters on the slog. That, that's the most powerful new rule. Except for Sorrel, he's the exception. Oh man. Good stuff. That part with Sorrel where where Mimara's trying to like coax some stuff about the captain out of him and he it's been lonely out here at the very end as he finally became human again. It was sad. It was a sad part. Poor Sorrel. Uh, uh. I guess no, there no. I feel more sorry for, but yeah, poor Sorrel. No, no loneliness on the slot either. Those chapters read a lot like and loathing they made it apparent that the query is like doing something to them just by the way it's written yeah i think it be okay. it's becoming obvious that the the query is not just um, it's it's not completely like lambus it has some side effects couple we finally found out exactly what it was. I've been waiting to see what you guys think about the fact that they're eating the ashes of a long dead non man king. Well, I uh, I mean, I knew from my first read, but I remember the first time I, I read that, um, like I find out I was, I was just, I had to put it down. I was really shocked that they've been eating this dead person's ashes this whole time and it's making them 
I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know much about drugs. I don't know which drug I would compare it to, but um, like, they can, like, they, they kind of like, they become like very like apathetic, but at the same time, like, it seems like their brains are working, like, like they're like somehow brighter. Um, and then they go, they can see in the dark as well. Yeah, there's Took no drug drug that's quite like that. Yeah, that's a good one. I wonder what the street value is for, for that. For dead non-men ashes. And why why is the cleric carrying the ashes of his kinsman in his pocket? For, for the slog. Situations like this. Good question. <clears throat> How did he come about those ashes? Why is he the one who has like the non-men king's ashes? I mean, I can't really imagine like carrying around my. Well, my grandma's not dead, but you know, carrying, <laughs> carrying her ashes around and snorting her, and <laughs> it's just weird. I have a Jack Daniel, a little mini Jack Daniel shot somewhere with some of my friends' ashes in it. I don't think I'll ever try to snort it, but never know. Maybe he has special powers. Never know. Maybe they but, should try it. You know. What movie was that? How high? Just remember that movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a bit a while, yeah. There's ashes in that. Ghosts. I haven't seen I, that I, movie. I do have a friend who got his his uh, brother's ashes in his tattoo in the ink. I do I do know someone who did that. That seems yeah. more okay than swallowing it. Okay, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not judging anyone. No, I, yeah. You know. Just interesting. During the first first holy war they were eating each other there was cannibalism going on which is worse just a little bit of ashes or the meat well i mean as, as uh i think kiyutist says cruelty is only bad if it's not justified <laughs> there's an asterisk there And murder is the sum of all sins. They said that a lot. Uh, but these books are ruining... I think I've mentioned this before, but these books are ruining other books for me. Because mm. it's just... You go from reading Baker or Erickson or... And then you go to something else and it just... It's cool because you can float right through other stuff, though. That's true. <clears throat> it makes other stuff much more light like i said it makes the real world even seem more bright there's there's a lot of hope in the real world so if you're looking you, for it if you forget that there's hope in the real world just read r scott baker and then think about it again well a there was another funny scene um in the sorial chapter 
which had to do with um, Escalis, Escalis, the his the teacher's person. Yeah, the pony killer. <laughs> um yeah but he basically goes through like five ponies or something and then every like it always like one of the boys one of the scions has to give up their pony because he's like more important than they are and then they have to walk in foot with the strength army like um at, at their at their backs um i <laughs> Zronga is like looking at him and thinking, he's eyeing my horse. I know I'm next. I can see him eyeing my horse. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get attacked. Yeah. And then Sarway Cer saves Sorwheel. Yeah. But Sorwheel saves Escalis. Which I guess is kind of an important moment for Sorwheel. Because up until this point, he's always kind of doubted himself or thought like he would not be brave enough or was not necessarily willing to sacrifice himself for his people or for the ordeal. But like in this moment, he like he basically turns around and he, like goes back to to save Ascalis in order to save the great ordeal, even though he knows they're all both like probably going to die because the strength are right, right behind. Um, so that was a nice moment. But it was hard for me to imagine Sorwill carrying the horse killer on his shoulder, a little <laughs> kid. I guess when you got that adrenaline, you can do crazy things. So that young I mean, he's, he's fit. Uh, I mean, Sore Wheel is fit, I assume. Uh, so are ponies and horses. They <laughs> still can't bear his weight. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but I mean, he doesn't, I guess at the end, he doesn't need to, he doesn't actually need to carry him. Just need, he just had to wake him up and um, slap him and make <laughs> him uh, make the, create the bar of heaven and warn, warn Cuyutus and and the rest of the great ordeal. Let me fall. Yeah, how many hundreds will die saving you? Torvald's like, oh man, that sucks. Yeah. Whoops. I mean, she chose to save him. That's on her. Then we got another weird white luck warrior perspective section where he kills two people who are trying to rob him. I think he was actually seeing himself kill two people that were trying to rob him before they tried to rob him because he hadn't even walked down the alleyway yet. He like turns towards the alleyway at the end of that section where he's going to kill two people for trying to rob him. Yeah, he does. It does on 228. It does mention... Um... He saw all the lanes he had never traveled. So I wonder what his that does that mean he sees a thousandfold thought? Well, I think isn't it Mepa or Sadmanana Fairy who explain 
what the White Lug Warriors is. I, I think they talk about something um, basically like about the White Lug Warrior seeing, I guess, I guess you could call it the shortest path, but like basically the path towards the goal that was set out for him and him like being to able to trace the perfect um, path towards that goal. Hmm. Um, so I think it, I don't think it's necessarily the thousandfold thought. The shortest it, path, I guess I should say. Yeah. yeah but, um, Kellis sees it more broadly. I think he sees the multitudes of paths, whereas it talks about him just like staring off at those paths that he doesn't get to take. Whereas Kellis has walked them all more or less it seems like seems like the white luck warriors path is like laid out in front of him and he always is just walking towards where he knows he's supposed to go because there's like a person in front of him that is him that's showing him what to do yeah but it just but it does kind of seem like the white luck warrior like he just like he sees the one path, like the certain path towards the goal, whereas Kellis, as you said, like he kind of has to choose from multiple, like he kind of has to find his own path, right? Through the trillions, billions of possibilities. Whereas what the white leg word just, he just sees the one path that will lead him to the point he needs to get to. Yeah, the white leg warrior is walking his one path, whereas Kellis has to walk everyone else's path to his ends too he's walking his own path but he's also guiding everyone else whereas the white white warrior is just walking in one line Chess that gets checkers. brought that gets brought up whether SMA is like a blind spot to kellis and is like making him walk in arcs instead of the shortest path some foolish human emotion called love. <laughs> yes, there was a a mention of that. Let me see if I can find it. On 261. That uh in real in Rilitas, I can't pronounce his name, sorry. He mentions uh you think father risks the very world for the empress's sake for the absurdity of love. Which I didn't... That, that was just a... That wasn't a, a serious question, was it? Because Kellis isn't... Does he love Espinet? Or does he... I don't know. I thought Espinet was just a the vessel for his offspring. I guess we can't know until Kellis tells us himself. Um, I don't think that Esmenet thinks he loves her. Well, I don't think anyone else thinks he loves her, but except maybe for the Dunyang. Um... But who knows? I mean, can we don't see. Love? But I guess that's the question. Like, has I mean, I didn't really think about it up until this point. I also like just assume that um, 
she was just a tool for him. Um, but maybe he has developed some feelings for her. I mean, he, there's, I think, one mo one moment in The Thousandfold Thought where like he does kind of seem concerned for her, or even a couple of moments. But does he actually love her? Or like, would even if he did feel something for her, like, would it be enough for him to um, jeopardize his plans willingly? There's the part where he cried on Mr. Tumpix, hmm. and he couldn't figure out why, what his tears were. That's true. There was a part when uh, when the Sishwarim was talking about the gods, what they think of the gods, and he says, "We are narcotics to them. They eat our smoke. They make our jewelry, or they make jewelry of our thoughts and passions. They are beguiled by our torment, our ecstasy." So they collect us, pluck us like strings, make chords of nations, play the music of our anguish over endless ages. We have seen this woman, we have seen this with our missing eyes. How do they see all that with their missing eyes? And does that just mean that the White Luck Warrior and Sorwill are just little plucked pawns by some twisted at points they call them demons, like the demon's just about perspective. If it's killing you, it's a demon. If it's helping you, it's a god. Yeah, I, I don't think that even before this, we, I don't think anyone thought that the gods, the gods were particularly nice or merciful. Um, or too concerned about humanity. And there's a part where Satma Nana Fairy's talking to the slave and she says, she loves you despite the wickedness your captors have forced on you. And says, she will reach for you when your flesh stumbles, but you have to reach back for her. It's kind of weird. Because Nanathari like knows about the gods. So you have to like believe in them before you die in order to be able to get saved. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of, it does kind of fit into the, the I, like image I have had of the gods. But this, like this, the way they describe it, like it has... It, it feels more concrete. Like, I feel like I'm finally getting some details on what the outside might be and what role the gods play in it. But yes, like, certainly these gods are, they're not kind. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, they're not playful kid-like gods from... Well, other book I read recently that had gods in it. These gods are more definitely dark and shadowy. It's hard to exactly 
pick out what the truth is about these gods because everyone's got their own opinions and they all seem kind of valid lots of valid contradictory opinions i think at one point they say like paradoxical truths are what makes human human i think Namara says that to the skin spy yeah yeah i mean the idea that gods are some kind of just like higher level demons is a bit disconcerting is like, i mean i can't really imagine like what the gods look like or but i mean we've seen it we've seen the the kishran in the thousandfold thought so um if they're anything like that or sim similar to that I guess I understand why someone would fear them and worship them in the hopes that when they cross over to the outside that um, they will be spared. Protected from all the other gods by this one god. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think uh, Nana Fairy says it like she, like she she basically says well we worship Yatwer because she is the most powerful one. Mm -hmm. So she will like there's she she will the one she is the one who can protect us against the others i guess but then you have then you and then you can say well maybe this is all bs and maybe uh you know in relatus is right when he says that um basically that wait, what does he say something about like Salvation being just another form of damnation, then you kind of have to forget about the whole concept of damnation to like be free of it. Um, so maybe if you don't, like, what, maybe if you just choose not to believe in, in I don't know, damnation and the outside, maybe, maybe you won't end up there. Maybe you won't have to deal with all that. Who knows? It's a pious captain that's bounced back, though apparently went all the way down there and bounced back just because of sheer belief in something as evil as he is something yeah but he went to hell first though <clears throat> it's not like he went to heaven and they send him back he was because he was so good and they thought that people on earth could use some help <laughs> maybe he was too bad for hell Got maybe. It. What did you think of the three Dunyans in the room part, Steve? Well, it was it was neat to see. It was like a it was a fun interaction, but I kind of feel like Espinette should know better. I was a little disappointed in her decision making through that process, but I do I do understand too that you know little the little. Uh, Columbus has been working on her and been poisoning her mind, so he kind of led her to that point where she would overreact like that. And But that whole process was... I, I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't think that would happen. I, I still I still think Nathan is the victim in all this. Well, not a victim, but I still think that he's getting kind of a raw deal from all, for all the work he put in to help Kellis. I still think he's, uh, you know, 
he's gotten the short end of the stick of this one. But yeah, I, I didn't expect that to go down that way. I agree until the very last paragraph of that part where he's what does he say? Do you have your mother's bones? Oh yeah. With, like complete completely emotionless. He's, so he's he is he is a dummy through and through and maybe having feeling sorry for him isn't the right motive. Maybe Enrolatus was actually like telling all of the truths. Or well, Nathan, it is fifty percent, right? He's not full; he's half. So, you know, he's he was the one good one out of six, five or six. I don't know if yeah. he had six drowned brothers or if he was the sixth and he had five others, something like that. Yeah, that's my thought. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. I, well, he's. He, I think he's been loyal. He's done everything that's been asked of him, and he is still. You know, I, I don't. I just think it's just a bad situation for him. I don't think he. He deserves. <laughs> he deserves better. I mean, he's he's not sympathetic, but from all he's done, I think it's kind of a, kind of a bummer. But he does kind of like walk away after that. He's like. Yeah, try and capture me. See how that goes for you. It just walks away. Yeah, I I really love that interaction. Um, I so I I guess the only my the op only complaint I had was that it was cut too short. Um, especially because. Like we we never learned or we never learned much about Mathanet. Like he's always remained quite mysterious. So I really enjoy the fact that we finally got to get a little bit of background on like how he like like that you know he wasn't the only he wasn't the only child that Moanga's um fathered and um there was more there was more of them and how that he was trained and such and yeah just the interaction between the three of them and then when Inrelatus turns on Kalmomas, who, you know, had thought it was so smart when he set this all up. And then I got really excited that they were going to expose Kalmomas, which obviously did not happen. Um, and I certainly did not expect Maithanet to kill Inrelatus. And I felt very sad. I mean, not that Inrelatus so far has been, like, introduced as a very nice person, but he is... He is like to me. He was like super fascinating character, and um, the things that he represented, I were like more on the philosophical side of the books, and I really enjoy that that aspect of it. Even though I guess you could probably argue that his like what he represents is kind of a dead end. Mm -hmm. So, in some way, I guess I understand why he was removed very quickly after he was introduced. Um, but I still would have enjoyed a few more interactions between him and Mathanet or maybe some of the other Dunyane. Hmm. Um, yeah. It seems like a lot of the Dunyane interactions are really short. <laughs> um, is, that, um, is that a creative choice? Is that something that... Uh, or are they just too... Are they too um, intelligent or can they just their interactions wouldn't be very long because then somebody would find a weakness or find an opportunity. 
I'm tr I'm trying to think of the like what what other Dunian interactions have we have we witnessed so far. Um, but I mean, I guess like it makes sense if you're a Dunian, you just like you cut to the point, like you don't you you, you can get rid of all the fluff that we usually um, put in put into conversations. What does Kalmomus calls it the game in its purest form? They remove all the other bits of the game that are just for humans. Now it's just Dunyans playing a game of desire, which Kellis, I think, has won in Nathanette's eyes. Dunyan will bow to his superior will. And Kellis had made Nathanette bow. Hmm. Just but because he was more powerful or because he was able to convince Maithanad that he was right. Kind of both. That's how you become more powerful in the Dunyan's eyes, right? Is to convince, to condition the ground beneath someone. Hmm. So since Kellis's intellect sees further, Maithanad couldn't do anything but accept that. Kind of. But now he's cast away somewhere who knows where he's gonna go but he's he's gone we did have the moingus and uh, Kellis interaction that was really short which was a bummer that's kind of what i thought back to is really short interaction it's a little shortish i think part of that is to keep it all mm -hmm. mysterious and another part of that is if you were to just try to write a whole book from Kellis's vantage, it would be nearly impossible. And I think R. Scott Baker is really smart, but when you're trying to write someone that's smarter than you, it's not easy. Yeah. So keep it short and keep it as mysterious as you can, kind of. I feel like he would write like 100 pages just to get one look like set of Dunyan passages just to see which ones sounded the smartest. That's true. Um, there was a pretty cool quote from Esmanet. I think it was, I think it was Esmanet. Um, she said, to know was to have power over the world. To believe was to have power over men. Um, I guess it's some kind of a Dunyan motto that Kellis tries to teach her. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly where where the context of the quote is, but I thought it was quite poignant. I was also sad that Kelmomus doesn't get found out. He gets exposed, but only between a couple people who are now gone and dead. Gone or dead. But I mean, Mathis is still alive, so, um, you know, maybe there will be still a chance for him to somehow expose Kilmobis before he kills everybody in the palace. It was fun to watch Kalmomus squirm a little bit, though. Have yeah. feelings he's never felt before. He kind of enjoyed it. 
He was like, oh, what is this strange feeling? <laughs> it feels good. The part where he says that he's having a harder and harder time finding ways to make Esmet cry. That's horrible. That's a terrible thing for your littlest kid to be doing. <laughs> you will fail. Why Why do you think that um, Inverlatus decided to kill or attempted to kill Maithanet? I mean, see, like, seemingly he's, he's someone who just kind of, who does things out of just because, just to behave, just to do things against the rules. Like, do you think there was any, like, do you think he had, um, like, there was another reason or, like, a greater reason for why he turned against Mathanet? Because Kilobus was, was uh, manipulating him, too, or maybe he just felt an opportunity to maybe replace Mathanet if he was gone. I'm not. I'm not sure. It seemed like Kilmomus seemed that as he was talking to Mathanet that he like was just saying the words. You didn't believe it. He was trying to like lull Mathanet into something. So maybe him even ratting out Kilmomus was part of the lull still. Yeah, I there is stuff I don't know. I don't. I didn't. I didn't write down who said it, but someone. I think it's one of. I guess it's either Kelmomus or Enreladas. One of them says that there is nothing more godly than murder. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I kind of wonder if. Yeah, I guess like, Enreladas trying attempting to kill Mathanet. If that's. Like, if that was just, like, an expression of his god, god godlihood? No, that's not a word. Godliness, maybe? Godliness, I guess. There is a part, not this conversation, but before, where Enrolatus, Inro like, I think he warns Kelmomus to get away because his, like, emotion is taking over. I think his emotions are really raw. So once they take over, his rational brain can't control them. So maybe that's why Mathanet died. Just an expression of emotion. Hmm. Well, I guess maybe, we'll never know. Maybe he's kind of broken into non-men. Like the non-men in that way. Yeah, but he has his mother's bones. <laughs> yeah. We don't find out if Kelmomus does, though. Yeah. Mm, but yet. I mean, is it is it so? Does it does it suggest that not only are the Dunin like intellectually superior, but like are there also like well, I guess are there also like physically? Like enhanced like I understand they're like they, they train right like they have these like woo like wuxia marshals 
art skills. Like I get that, but are are their bones actually thicker? Like do do, do they also breed for that? A long time ago, it said they're bred on the reflexes of limb and mind. So they need to be exceptionally gifted both ways. Exceptionally exceptional. Exceptionally exceptional. <laughs> For 2,000 years. So maybe after so many thousand years, you would just be a little bit different. That was uh, a surprise, that death. I yeah, thought he I would mean, be one of the last ones to to be to survive. I thought he'd be around for a while. Yeah, I mean, Esmond certainly did not expect that. Um, and as as much as terrifying Inralatas was as a child, like I still, like I still felt I still felt it when when she uh, when she entered the room and, and saw him and just sort of broke down. Um, I, I felt really bad for her. Yeah. Makes makes you wonder why Kelly's let Inralitus live, right? But that becomes like a crux of the question. Why Nathan that kind of thinks maybe he's crazy? Is he let this little sin live? And it might mean that he's do, doing what Esmenet wants, because he can't think of a reason to let for Inralitis to have lived. And now he's dead, so it was his reason just to have all of this happen? Did Kellis know this was going to happen? How much does Kellis know? Well, I guess that's that's the question. I, I'm, I'm not... I don't think he knows about Kelmomas. And since a lot of this happened because of Kelmomas, I I'm inclined to say that this was not planned by Kellis. But I might also be completely wrong. Even Sam Sammy's death and Sherry's death? All of these people Cal has killed, Cal has killed are blind spots to Kellis. Then could they veer him off the thousandfold thought, walking the shortest path? Maybe. I mean, maybe it's enough that Kalmomas is the. Well, it, yeah, I guess Kalmomas is the blind spot. Ma like, Mathena did not... Mathena also wasn't aware that um, Kalmomas had his hands in Sammy's death, I think. No, not until Enrolatus told him. But then it's interesting that Enrolatus notices immediately. So what makes him like? Is there something that makes Inralatus different? Like, does he think differently than K 
Hellas, Wraith, Annette, or is it just that like up up until that point, no one just no one was paying attention to a little kid that everyone assumed was completely harmless? Maybe Kellis can't see their paths with his, with his kids. Or they can change the path. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And, and Rolicus tells Kell that he's crazy just like him, right? Maybe he should be the one that's locked up instead. He should be. <laughs> yeah, he should be locked yeah. up. <laughs> Kelmomis is wondering if they realize that he's had the gifts since birth too. Like he doesn't need to be trained. And Inralicus didn't need to be trained either. So he wonders if he knows that he's like his brother in that way. And since Inralicus got like the gifts so strongly that it kind of broke him, he can see through people's faces better than anyone except Kellis, it says, right? So he can see deeper into the little twisted Kelmomis than Nathanette can. That's why he wanted to look down his throat. He wanted to look in his mom's throat, too. He just wants to see where the words come out. Is that why I got really confused by that part? I, I I didn't understand why he wanted to look down people's throat. It seemed very particular. Mm-hmm. He's a god. He knows he knows what gods are thinking. Well, I'm I'm curious if I if I'll run into Inverladas in the outside. Run. Maybe, maybe he, maybe he was past nation. You know. I wonder if he knew he was going to die there. Was it on purpose? I don't know. Kellis does this. <laughs> Kella seems to do everything on purpose. Kamoma seems to do lots of things on some weird feeling that he or his voice gets. So maybe we haven't seen the last of Inralatus then. He's going to be the third voice in Kamoma's twisted little head. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah, something well, we, is wrong. We know that people can apparently come back. Oh, yeah, right. I guess you can never say never. We might see him again. The captain is the only one that's bounced back that we know of, though, right? I guess we did see the non-men ghosts, the non-men apparition. The king. Yeah, well, Kellis has also been to the outside, right? That's where he got the Sifrang heads from didn't he it talks about him 
having found a way to travel to the outside, but it hasn't said much more. Hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah. I, I did find it quite bizarre that he just travels to the outside just like that. So that apparition was the non-men king and that person in the pouch that cleric has is who? Hmm. Uh, well, the one and the, the, the cremated one is the Kujara Kinmoy, Sinmoy. It's the K's and the C's again. Um, and the pouch is Sil. <laughs> Sil. I can't remember what his last name was. Sil Ajaris or something like that. Mm, That's I what think... Mamara says, anyways. Well, yeah. Cleric, cleric says, take this powder and you'll see who it is. It doesn't show her seeing, but she tells Camion the next day, kind of. Yeah, I think. What? I don't think they're necessarily the same king. Like, I did start reading the history of Urwa. Um, hmm. There certainly have been a couple of non-men kings. Um, I don't think they're necessarily the same person. I don't know if we get the information in the appendices or not. There was something in the appendices of the last series that hmm. about the outside that still hasn't got brought up yet, but I want to talk about it. <laughs> something about like why the consult is trying to war with humans. What that has to do with closing the outside like they want to do like blocking themselves from judgment. Hmm. hmm. Do I know this or it's not? In, it, it's in the appendix of the Okay, well then I guess it's fair game. Yeah, go for it. That in order to close the world from the outside, they have to hit like a certain number of humans. Right. I feel like it was 144 million. Maybe? I think like it's I think it's less. I think it's in thousands. 144,000. I think so. Yeah. In order to close the world from the outside, so that's the consul's goal is to somehow like purge most of the humans from the planet. Kellis is taking a whole bunch of humans up right now to fight a crazy war. Is she trying to purge humans from the planet? Hmm. Or is he trying to purge the strength so they can fight the no-god without having millions and millions of strength to fight? Are you... Uh, so what What are you saying? That Kellis is making the console job easier by, by bringing all the men to them? I don't know. They do need to. They do need to purge a lot of the humans in order to shut off the Irwa from the outside. Hmm. Hmm. 
I need to reread that appendix. There's a lot in there. A lot of world building stuff. Kind of like in that history of Irwa. A lot of world building stuff that kind of doesn't matter, but puts everything in perspective. Like the non men battles from a long time ago and hmm. the human and non men battles afterwards. Yeah, it's, it can be a lot overwhelming, but I guess it's nice like when you encounter something as you as you read like it's it's nice to go back and, and kind of refer to to the appendices. Um, I'm sure like the, it probably mentions the name of the king of of Kilages as well. I just can't remember which one it is, and I, I'm afraid of spoiling something else. So. <laughs> I'd, ra I'd rather not, not, not say. Yeah, I, I don't know how Daniel does it because I, I think I would have accidentally spoiled everyone like a thousand times by now. So I'm yeah, impressed with those non spoilers. Yeah. I try to throw as many diversions as I can. <laughs> I ask you questions that maybe I would have asked before I knew the answer to. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, there's like, there's two of them. There's like two non-men kings and both of their names start with an N, I think. And I can't remember which one is which. Um, but one of them, I think, is the king of, or was the king of Kilages, um, and who was also the wraith that we encountered in the, in the mines. And... Sajara Sinmoy is one of them. Hmm. The greatest of the Signori rulers. Right. Well, yeah, right. He's the he's the one whose ashes they're snorting. <laughs> yeah. But he's yeah, I don't think he's he's not the he's not the king of the mansion of the, the Kill Archer's mansion. I think. The, the non-man sections, though, were, were pretty hilarious. Just his, he just seems like he's uh, unhinged and hairless and just like, yeah, just a, a really bad trip. <laughs> a really bad party. Party gone wrong. A slog gone wrong. Yeah, it, it does feel like everyone, everything is getting weirder and everyone's getting crazier. Um, and I, I, I have to say, it does come out a lot crazier on audio like when you mm. actually like hear him like screaming or like shouting in into the air um but yeah you like you get a sense that he's like someone who's lived through so much and i guess at one point was this like um remarkable person but it's just like it's it's, it's gone it's not there anymore it's just glimpses of what he used to be No wonder they go mad. What what was the line uh, with all the all the memories and uh, no wonder they go they go crazy. Makes me feel bad for Mamara. He thinks he remembers her. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a few mentions of Mamara. Yeah, there's something else going on there. 
Because she's in one of the dreams, right? Or they at least mention her name in one of the dreams. In one of the one of the Kamian's dreams last book. They talk about it? Yeah. I think and it, it also keeps referencing how Esnet is an old name, right? It said that like three or four times. Esnet's an, a unique name for a whore. It's an old yeah. name. What that means, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but we know that Kelmomus, there was a Selmomus, right? With the sea. So even names, just like history repeats itself. So like every word is uttered from another word you would heard from somebody else. Repetition. No originality. So I should watch out for another Esmanet is what you're saying. Hmm. Or a similar name. But yeah, the, the last chapter is mostly conversations between Mimera and Akamian, which I actually enjoyed. Like, I, I did enjoy um, getting more of Akamian's perspective on... I, and like seeing that he's been able to reflect on his relationship with Esmanet and how maybe he wasn't like the greatest boyfriend. <laughs> um, but also like when he mentioned, like when he says that there was like, he forgave her at some point, there was this moment where he just decided to forgive her. Um, I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. He yeah. says, he, even though I'm not done like lashing out at her, I've already forgiven her. <laughs> I'm still going to throw a fit, but I've already forgiven. Yeah. Yeah, but I, can, I mean, I kind of get it. Like, I, I get that emotion that you want to be angry at someone, but you also kind of deep down, you you know, it's not. You you realize that it's not their fault, or even if it was, like, you still forgive them. Esna has an Akamian moment. If if Quarry were Kellis, she says no, finally, after all that time. She doesn't say no, and the other voice in her head doesn't say no, but the third thing inside her says no. Hmm. It wasn't as impactful as when Akamian, like, threw away everything and walked out, but... It, well, it didn't last very long. Yeah. yeah, he's over her while she sleeps. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, why does he... Like, why does the cleric care if they take the Kiri or not? I, I understand they are addicted, but... I mean, he... If she doesn't want it, why does he force her to take it anyway? There's a part where Akamian says, without it, there's no way that an old man and a woman could keep the pace that yeah, these guys are keep keeping. Mm -hmm. so, so you think it's, it's he's just concerned for them? Performance enhancing. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe... Maybe. Just like all drugs, there's some kind of a come down that's 
equal to the come up. Perhaps. Maybe that's also why Soma says that he's killing them. Yeah. Not that he's no, gonna no, he's, he's gonna kill them. He is actively killing them. But who so knows, who, who knows <laughs> what this query is? So, Katarina, you you enjoyed the the conversational uh, the conversation that they have, the kind of reminiscing in old times kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, as as I, as I said, like, like I did, I did enjoy the more um, refl the, the reflecting that a comment does, um, and also the when he talks about how, like, how he and Esmond had met and how mm. how he, he fell in love with her. How he fell in love with her, and how she went went out looking for Mymera in the in the docks, and like basically almost died, and how he went out just just basically try to find her and save her. Um, like we didn't get like we didn't get that in the Prince of Nothing. Like this is this is all new information. Um, so I did enjoy learning about that. Um, but I like I do agree with you. It is kind of slow. Like I I do think this book is a little bit too long. Um, but yeah, those, those parts I did enjoy. I, I thought they were pretty good too. We've had a lot of character building with Kamian, but this was like reflection from a book we read, not where before he would reflect on like teaching Proeus, which we never got to read the story of this. He's reflecting on like the previous three books we've read and his experiences in those kind of as if it were 20 years ago. Yeah, and uh, just like, uh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um, just the way he talks about like blame and um, chains. Ch chains and yeah, like how like it's really difficult to tell if person if a person actually has a choice in in things they do and decisions they make like when they talk about um if esmond had, had a choice in becoming a prostitute or maybe even a choice in, in giving Amara my mara away um if that was if that's comparable to um you know my mara lived like spending most of her life in a brothel if in theory, she could have maybe just walked away, but in reality, that that's was that would have been a really difficult thing to do. Um, so I, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the things they talked about, um, and kind yeah. of the perspective that Akamian has. I don't know if the Kiri helped with those mm. type of conversations. Um, it seems to be getting rid of the uh, emotion. They can watch like heads get pulverized. They can, like, before some of the stuff that came in says to S to Mamara would have like made her flip out, but now it just like washes over her, just like it does the Canyon. They don't seem to care about slights very much anymore. And there was a part where he says, where the Canyon says, 
you you weren't chained to your pillow, were you? <laughs> there's chains and then there's chains. And then there's house of chains. And there's house, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but no, so I, I I did enjoy the conversation and um I guess there is not really like an easy answer to what they were talking about. Um and like you get the sense that, you know, as Manette did or does regret leaving Maimara behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also all kind of understand why she did it. Like, should she have done that? Like, there, I don't think there's an easy answer to that, um, to that question. But you also, like, I also understand that it's really hard to forgive something like that. Um, so I understand why Ma- Ma- Mara is angry and why she's hurt. Um, and I have no idea how to fix that relationship. I can't. Just stay away from each other. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had uh, the Pad- Padrija and Satman and Afari teaming up. Oh yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Um, I, forgot, I forgot the quote that it keeps saying something about earth being soft for the plow. Oh, yeah, soft yeah. earth deeply plowed. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's a, like very uh, Bakerian description. <laughs> it's true. Well, I guess, like, is it safe to assume that maybe, like, Fenile has become another pawn in Yatwar's game? And it, it seems like Yatwar doesn't care about the goodness or badness of people. Satma kind of refers to them as pawns, yeah. yeah. Or, or, pawns. If, or if they're believers or not. But yeah, it does seem like uh, Fenile's rebellion has been kind of hijacked by the goddess. It seems like the last Sishwarm, his time is numbered. I, I think Patsuna even like thought about him as a dead person already. Hmm. Yeah, they, they might come head to head, but we'll have to see. Oh, and uh, there's a story that Kellis told us met that she thinks is like to warn her against the Dunyan blood about the wolves that were like trying to catch an antelope. And then the antelope saw him and snuck away and there's two wolves hiding in the bushes and ripped out the throat. <laughs> yeah. Story so, time isn't too cozy, is it? Be careful of the games the Dunyan play. They they know where they want you to go, and it, it is a trap. Yeah, and I think he also tells her. There's like another. There is another story about. Um, it is it. I think it's a wager between a god and a hero. Which well, he, which he kind of uses to explain 
to her the difference between the Danyane and men or humans. And I think the Danyane are supposed to be the god and the and the like and, and humans are kind of represented by the man. And the difference is basically that if you're a man or if you're human, then you're willing, like you would be willing to sacrifice yourself. Whereas I guess the Dunye would not be able to do that. That's kind of how I understood it, but I don't. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, I don't I don't know if self-preservation is like the highest um it's like the ultimate purpose of the Dunyin. Um I don't know. So if Inralitis knew he was gonna die and gave himself up, then like was he done here? Or was he wanting to persevere through that too? It was for a purpose. I don't think he wanted to die. Although... If I was chained up, I'd, after like 12 years, I'd looking for a way out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't got no dummy in blood, but pull my I arms mean... and legs to a wall and give me like an inch of slack I'm over it. Yeah. What what was it? What was it? The murder murder was like the most godly act or something. Like, mm. does suicide count as well? Like, is that also against the rules? Is is that why? I don't know. Like, would he actually? I have, I'm not. I'm not. I didn't get the vibe. Like, I didn't get the sense that he he wanted to die. But he did. He did have the blade. He could have just did it himself. But instead, he filed it down where he could rip off his shackles and catch me from that even though he was just too frail and weak yeah like a um, like a calf that's chained up like um, veal they did describe him like always like wrenching against the chain so his forearms were really tough and his legs were really tough just from testing his boundaries but well he could he could have also cut Kelmomus's throat but the, that probably wouldn't have been as much fun <laughs> yeah killing a kid killing the Shrier or maybe he wanted to die but Dunyin are all about self-perseverance, so maybe he didn't want to die. Maybe he will persevere if he does die, somehow. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to see if the outside was real. Yeah, he wanted to try it out. I don't know. I, don't know. I think yeah. we're just making fun of him now. It's, yeah, it's a bit disrespectful. R.I.P. in Rulatus. Yeah, poor guy. Poor anyone else, yeah, anyone else you guys want to make fun of? <laughs> Um, oh. well, 
I came the, in the, new dream dreams. I want to talk about the Canadian's weird new dream that he's been having, yeah. hmm? and what they described as the golden room. The chain goes forward, so they take one. I think they said two steps forward, and then the golden room devours a soul. Right. What what's going on there? What, what is this golden room? Hmm. Well, we know at least one place that's made of gold. So I would maybe make the conjecture that this is all taking place in the Ark. And that this room is something like the the gate that... Uh... The doorway? Or the, where the slaves were? Their purpose was just to mend the chains? Yeah, to open the seal so what's-his-name could hide the prophecy in there, or the resting place of Ishmael. Why can't I think of his name right now? I can't think of it. Siswatha? Yeah, yeah. and Siswatha goes to the gate to unseal it, and there's a whole bunch of souls bound to a door that somehow make the gate open. From the Judge and I, right? I forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. There's a, there's a lot. There's a lot to remember. For sure. It's just like a machination that somehow requires souls being bound to it. Okay. I, I just assume it had something to do with the Inkarai. Um, since it seemed like they were like deep down in the belly of the Ark. But like you're saying they might they might not be. So I don't know. We'll I don't know either. I just think it's weird that there's some room that's devouring souls. That is indeed strange. That is strange, yeah. And that Akanian's dreams have now moved beyond Seswapa somehow to something older. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I guess that is an interesting question. Um, if, like, I get that he's not, these are not Seswatha's memories anymore, but is he dreaming someone else's life, or is he dreaming, like, some version of his own life? Hmm. In... If that's, that's where Kamian dies, it's just in the tunnel at the arc, <laughs> pulling a chain towards the golden room. Yeah, but yeah, basically. His first vision of the future. Maybe he's finally become the prophet, not of just the past, but also the the future. The future, it's like some Lovecraftian stuff going on. There's that, definitely Lovecraftian that, stuff going on. There's definitely been some yeah. Lovecraftian stuff going on. Metaphysics has to go somewhere. It's always strange to the human experience yeah anything else that's one of the last things i can think of mm, no that's all the notes i have what about you katarina um i have a couple but well okay yeah there is this moment when sarl He's talking to Mymera, and he basically tells her that 
he calls her the princess imperial or he talks about Esmina being her mother which is strange considering she never told any one of the skin eaters that she is who she is so I, I wondered if that was some kind of I don't know hallucination that Sarl was having or if somehow his insanity made him more aware than um, oh. um, than anyone else's or if there's something else going on because we decided that Akamian and her were both not part of the skin eaters plan right yeah yeah no. I think that's kind of what we agreed that so then it is maybe kind of weird that he knows that she is but there was also i think a reference to like the kelic the coin that's got her that has her mother's face on it that looks so much like her i think that they made like reference to that at one point so yeah, maybe that's, that could be how they know every coin's got a picture of her on it almost and i mean if well, I guess like, we know she's she she's she's resembles Esmenet a lot. So if mm -hmm. there is someone who has seen or met Esmenet before, then they could probably piece two and two together if if they had, had, like looked saw her face. Um, mm -hmm. But that was a bit suspicious. Yeah, that's suspicious. Um, I didn't catch that. Yeah, then I had, yeah, I, I think we talked, I already talked about the fact that the Kiri has, like, basically made them see in the dark, which is also bit bizarre. But I guess maybe it really, like, kind of has to do with the, f I guess non-men, like, is it, like, do non-men see better yeah. in the dark? Like, maybe, so I guess since they've been eating... Kuja Kinwa this whole time, I guess it it makes sense that they would um, develop that ability. <laughs> I wonder what they see when they look at a painting, if it's just a big blur like it is to non-men. Hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting. Does, how much does this drug affect them? It was to come down. Maybe there is none. I doubt that. And there is one moment where, like, um, again, like, Moimara and Akamian are having conversation. And she asks him what he would do if he found out that Kellis was actually right and he does not have an answer i think like he never answers that question um but it's still a possibility like we still don't know like the more like as i said the more i read like it, it, like it's just like the more i read like the more i question everything like now i'm just suspicious of every even the things i thought i previously knew i'm like well maybe 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 that's not maybe that's not the truth maybe that's just what they want me to think. I, I try to help with that. <laughs> yeah, you're I, definitely I help. help you guys be more confused at the end yeah. of the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
But there is a reason like Kellis could have just stayed and been the king. Mm-hmm. He is going out of his way to do something. He does everything with a purpose. It appears like they're trying to kill the shrink, which is like Satan's little pawns. So <laughs> it, it seems like he's fighting the good fight from the outside perspective, but mm-hmm. maybe he just only needs there to be 14,400 people and he found a way to kill them all at once. Just never know. I don't know what Kellis's motives are yet. We'll find out. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, yeah. but, I mean, there's <laughs> there, there's still a lot of people who stayed behind, so I, I, how big is the great ordeal again? Like 400,000? Like half a million? Something like that, right? Quarter of a million, right? Most of the able-bodied men in the three seas. It talks about like the sorcerers that are left with us, and that is being just like the old crippled ones that couldn't couldn't march. Yeah, but I mean, you still have all the women, which are like probably half of the population who stayed in the three seas. And the Padrita might help eliminate some of them <laughs> so is this is this like this big conspiracy where at the end we find out that all the gods and Kellas and the console they all been like in on and together and they're all basically just making plans to annihilate humans I don't know it doesn't Good. seem likely but... uh, for this book you never know maybe the gods need souls for fuel just like the golden room does Need souls. On uh, so we're on chapter ten. That's for my book. It's three sixteen. But the end of chapter twelve is four forty three. That's over one hundred and thirty pages, twenty something pages. Uh, that's if you guys want to do two chapters, we could do. Um. Ten and eleven. That would be about. 80 pages it's up to you guys um i mean i'm in i guess i don't care but it would be nice if we can finish this book in two weeks because then i'll we'll be gone for the next two i think or we can do like (laughs) an episode in between maybe uh, it doesn't matter. It's up to you guys. Um, let's see. I say we next make next Friday more rough, and then the last Friday less rough. So we need okay. more ch- more chapters this Friday. So there's less chapters for the last bit. So you want to do ten, eleven, and twelve? Well, or do you want to do ten, eleven, and twelve and thirteen? That's hundred and. 70 pages, give or take. No, let's just get through 12. Okay, so 10 through 12. And then that would give us... Eight, seven. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm f- I can manage. Okay, all right. Just don't want to make it's, it stressful it's up, anymore. It's up to you. It's up to you guys. My, you're, um, you're my the reading one schedule. Stressing, Steve. Well, my reading. I'm good. I'm good now. Um, this week was just kind of nuts, but I'm good after this. I'm good after this, so I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'll make sure to start earlier so I can finish on time. Okay. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Good stuff. So, uh, Katarina, if someone wants to get in touch with you and tell you how wrong you are about, uh, Sor- uh, not Sorcellus, about uh, Saban, where can they contact you? Uh, I don't reply to messages anymore. Um, I'm, you, you can find me, though it might be difficult. Uh, you, you can find me on the page doing forum, and I'm still on Instagram at the errand. Nice. Daniel, where can people not find you? <laughs> Go sign up for ChatGPT and just ask it. It'll answer as good as I could by not answering. I don't know. <laughs> We're on page two. Yeah. yeah. That's the best place for me, too. So, well, it's always, it's always fun. We're going to have a, a big week next week. It'll be good times. <laughs> so. Cool, everyone. Well, thanks, everyone, for coming along the journey with us and correcting us when we screw up. Appreciate it. We'll see everyone next week. Hey, baby.